Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. All right, I'm going to continue on now with our, talking about, as I said, kingdom purpose. And, uh, you know, kingdom purpose which is just so imperative that you get, is really about loving God and then loving His church family. Loving God, then loving His church family. When I got saved, broken home, broken background, poverty, problems, mental illness, alcoholism, everything that I came out of, uh, God saved me and I just was overwhelmed by God's love and grace at the start as I, I had opened my heart to Him. By the way, open your heart. A lot of people think, why does that happen for some people? Why does that happen to that person? Some open their heart, some don't. It's not an intellectual trip, everybody. This is, a, this is a open your heart to Christ and Jesus will come in. When I open my heart and said, God, if you're real, come in. I want you. I want to know you. When you give God the invitation graciously with humility, God responds. And uh, I then began to realize that God loves me, but he also loves his church. And God is building his church. And as I just said, the scripture in, in 1 Peter talking about um, we're living stones. You're a living stone. You're alive. And how God saves people, single people, couples, families, business people, broken people. Well, all broken. Business people are broken people. Uh, you know, uh, the poor, the rich. He saves us and brings us into his church. And then his church, God is trying to do so much. He's trying to equip us, heal us, love us, teach us, grow us. And Sue and I early on taught the boys that church was our priority because that's what Jesus was coming back for. He's coming back for his bride. Did you know that? When Jesus returns, he's not looking for a random group. Uh, Who will I come to? He's like, he's nailed it. I'm coming back for my church, my bride. So we need to love the church, love the bride and honour it because when people get saved, they're either getting saved in the church or out in the community, they get saved and then they're coming into the house. So how, you're, how you are with the house of God is very telling of how you are with God. How you are with the house of God is very telling of how you are with God. Because if you're careful with the house of God and service and care and love and sensitivity, listen, that's how you are with the Lord. Because when I'm walking with the Lord and I'm like, careful, oh Lord, thank you for my salvation, 41 years Jared, don't get comfortable with this. Don't take it for granted. God always reminds me, and don't take for granted my house. Don't get comfortable with it. Treat it well. And so if you're loving God, you quickly learn to love his house. And um, by the way, everybody, when you serve people, you're serving the Lord. When you serve people, you're serving the Lord. And the Bible says that, you know, we serve not as unto men, but unto God. But we serve men, we serve women. And uh, it's, Jesus nailed it in John 13, 35, when he said, by this love, all will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus says that, John 13, he says, by this, in this crazy world, with hatred and wars, we're seeing that, all this stuff, people will know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. And so Jesus is saying, when you have love for one for another, people will see it. Now listen, 
Love is not words alone. Some people go, oh, yeah, I told them I love. Actually, some of us could do a lot better with some words. Actually, all of us could do a whole lot better. Actually, you and me could do a whole lot better if we use some more words as Christians. We need to use words. Use them sharply. Encouragement, love, lifting, truth. I like some truth words. That's good. Truth is... uh, a big value in God's Word, but it's also a big value to people who've lived in deception. So I like people who bring truth, but we need some words of encouragement, words of love. Do you know different levels, different devils? Depending on what you carry in the kingdom is the, de- the, the devil you'll be dealing with. So you, we need to have a look around sometimes at what some people are carrying and realize, hey, and they're facing something I'm not facing. I need to make sure that I'm lifting them. I'm carrying them. And helping put some steel in them. Encourage means to put courage in. When you encourage, it means literally put courage in them. We need to put courage in one another with our words. But then we need to action those words. Sometimes it's enough talking. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get around to that. Oh, yeah, one day I'll serve the Lord. Yeah, one day I'll be helping somewhere. One day I'll do something. Help. Listen, there comes a time where you have to go. <laughs> I'm going to do this now. I can say to Sue, I'm getting around to something, but there comes a time (laughs) where she's like, you know, stop talking and just do it, you know, and uh, and that was me, one of my challenges, because when my family got together to do anything as a child, every time we got together as a picnic or something, it all turned into a major fight or something. So when I was younger, and the boys were younger, I'd be like, oh, we're going to the park, oh my gosh. And something would come back in me in my childhood. And Sue said to me, used to say to me, now get out there on those swings. And you're going to have a good time today. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, great. <laughs> so my, my wife would be directing me. And I did it. Sometimes you've got to do some things when you're not feeling it. You want to see a Christian who's actually worth their salt? They're people who operate when I'm not feeling it. 41 years, not every day I wake up and think, well, today I really want to do this. There's days where I wake up, I like, you know, you, what is it? You wake up and you say, good Lord, good, good, good morning, Lord. And other days, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> and you say, Lord, help me today because I'm not feeling it today. Don't live by your feelings, live by the word of God. Some of us here today, your ministry will be uh, liberality. Some of you right now, you're anointed for business. Can I encourage you? If your business is, if you're a person who's anointed for that and you're called to business, listen, then make sure that you're financing the kingdom of God. Make sure that you are because God has given you a gift there. And if you can't practically serve because you're so caught up with other things, then realize I'm called to finance the kingdom of God. You know, I'm, I'm just going to say this. This is, a lot of Christians are like me and Sue, a lot of, and they're here. Some of us have given hundreds of thousands, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to the kingdom, no doubt about it. Missions, church, hundreds and hundreds of thousands. Well, the tithe belongs to the Lord. That's his anyway. That's, I'm, I'm returning what he owns. But some of us don't realize, as Christians, listen, this is an expectation from the Lord in the Word of God, is that we will be helping those in need. Can I encourage you, if you're like, hey, I'm so busy with my business or whatever, that is fine. If you can't take a practical area of service in the church, if you go, I'm financing the kingdom. I'm releasing everybody else to do that by the finance. I'm good with that. 
And I know some people that is their calling and sometimes that is their life due to whatever. Don't feel bad, feel released. I release you. But make sure you're going, hang on, right. Well, then I need to make sure that I am financing the church so they can help the needy, help the poor, help those struggling. Because those people are not just overseas, they're here in Perth. And we wanna be a church who's able to say to people, hey, right now you're going through that, you can't pay the bill, we can pay the bill. You can't do that, we can do that. But, so I wanna say to all the business guys, Romans 12 says you've been given a generosity gift and a liberality gift, use it. Use it and you'll be in kingdom purpose. I, get what I'm saying? You gotta work out what is my gifting, what is my calling? Check out Romans 12 again and go, hang on, that's my grace gift and use that and that will help us to help people in our community and in our church right now who end up in a problem or a challenge that we can say as the church, how we can minister to you because somebody is loving you and loving Jesus through their financial giving. You know, serving the Lord, everybody, just think about this morning, I was just thinking today, you know, before you got to church, somebody was up hours ago unlocking the doors here before you came. Before you got to church this morning, somebody was setting up the car park, setting up the welcome. Before you got here, somebody was turning on the lights, turning on the aircon, turning on the video screens so you can see me and see my nice green shirt today. Um, people were checking battery packs to make sure the batteries didn't go so the microphones work and this worked. People were turning on aircon, airflow. People were typing scriptures so you're getting the Word of God. People were turning on coffee machines and everybody said, Hallelujah. <laughs> they were making coffee even better. Hallelujah again. And uh, people were on the welcome team, people in leading teams, people were in the, setting up Global Heart Crash. They were leading Global Heart Crash. They were setting up Global Heart Kids. They were leading Global Heart Kids. They were welcoming. There was ushers. There were people tuning guitars. There were cameramen. Oh my gosh, there were people cleaning, there were people serving, there were people, oh, on and on and on and What does the church do? So much. People then were caring for new Christians and caring for new people and loving them and teaching them and looking after them. There is so much that we can be a part of. And I think of Paul when Paul said, you know, towards the end of his life, my life has been poured out like a drink offering. Paul said that and he didn't just say it. So we all go, Paul, you're amazing. Paul, you're incredible. I need a coffee with you in heaven. Now, Paul is saying to say to Christians, listen, I once killed Christians. I once persecuted them. But when I got saved, I poured my life out like a drink offering. When was the last time you poured your life out like a drink offering for the house of God? Thank you, Pastor Spencer. When was the last time you poured your life out for the house of God, for the kingdom of God? I think it's great to be spent for the kingdom of God. <laughs> Sometimes I've, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever I've been doing and serving the Lord and I've gone to bed and I'm like, I am so ready for bed. Now, a lot of us say that we are every day, but, <laughs> but when you're doing it for God's house and God's kingdom, there's something you can't get any other way than a fulfillment of like, I'm doing this under the Lord. And I'm tired because it's kingdom ministry. I loved it over the years when, you know, soon I brought the boys to church. We always taught the boys to love you guys. We always taught, we didn't have grandparents with us in London or in Perth that were part of our church or really around to take care of the kids. So we always taught the boys, church is your family. So the boys grew up with an obligation towards you. Parents, you need to teach your children that seriously. 
That is one of the best things you can have a love and an obligation towards God's house. Otherwise, when they're older, they all walk when the problem comes or the girlfriend comes or the boyfriend comes. But they don't walk if their parents wisely said, come on in here, this is the family. Aren't we blessed? Let's love our family, let's honour our family, let's have an obligation. Our boys have not walked, they've continued to walk into God's purpose for their life and relationship with Him. But some of us are like, no, 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 it's just us and the family and us on holidays and us occasionally at church and us. And then we wonder later why our kids have no interest in God because that was down to you. So Sue and I used to love it when the boys would be wrecked in church. (laughs) They'd be young. We'd take them to church Friday night, take them Sunday, two services in those days, and they would be tired and then they'd wake up, still go to soccer on Saturday or footy or whatever they did, and they'd still be doing that, but they'd be tired. And one of the greatest things for me was that my kids were spent and wrecked in God's house. Spent and wrecked in God's house. (laughs) Far better than spent and wrecked in Northbridge. Far better than spent and wrecked on the streets of Northbridge or in clubs or who knows where because you just drew them to you and you were the Christian and they didn't really know church and you didn't really teach them to love church. And then you wonder... Why do they go off there into the world? Why do they end up in that relationship? I'm just going to bind the devil. No, bind yourself. Now, bind early. Pray for you. Say, Lord, help the enemy not to use me, the parent. Woo, this is good. Online, how are you going with this? Good morning. Welcome to church. Listen, we've got to realize, hang on, this is real. If you get tired serving the Lord, that's fine. You should because it's going to keep you from sin. If you work out what your purpose is in God's house, and by the way, the pastoral team and the leadership team are here is to help you in this season. As I said, depending on how long you've been saved, your maturity and your giftings depends what you do in God's house. Your, your age as a Christian, your maturity and your giftings, it changes through the years. Ask the questions, don't assume. Ask the questions, don't assume. Actually, there's a tattoo you should get. Ask questions, don't assume. Every Christian needs that tattoo. Show it off. I'm asking a question. I'm not assuming. Because we can then help you get into what God's got for you. And then the same out in the world, unless you have nailed, this is my calling. This is where I'm going. It's always wisdom to ask, am I in my calling in God's house? If you're not asking that question, you're easily deceived by emotion. Have you discovered that your emotion and flesh deceives you? And the chorus class is yes. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> we deceive ourselves. So I need to be saying to people, what am I meant to be doing right now? Is this it? What am I meant to be doing out in the community right now? Is this it? The Bible talks about there is wisdom in the multitude of counselors. But just make sure those counselors are godly. Because people go to church does not mean their counsel is godly. Find godly counselors. Where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? And then... Let God take you into what he's got for you. You know, if you're saying, hey, look, I don't really feel like serving people. It's not my, you know, kind of thing <laughs> or my deal. I don't really feel it. <laughs> and, or maybe you're asking, how, how can I feel that? Would you like the answer? How can I feel like serving and helping and ministering to God's church? Would anybody like the answer to that? No, I'm moving along. You're not getting it. Not enough passion. I'll tell you, Russ, after. 
Would anybody like to know? <laughs> All right, that was enough, people. You pushed me over the edge. You can change that by what you worship. You can change that by what you worship. Down the back, you can change that by what you worship. What you worship, you drop everything for. What you worship, you drop everything for. You got a relative in the family who's got the barbecue on, church is on, you go, oh, church, aunt, auntie, uncle, friend, said the barbecue's on, church's on. People will drop church for the barbecue. How many people's families are not serving the Lord how they were meant to do? Because they never, parents never positioned their children or themselves. And then b the barbecue became Lord. The Weber, singing to the Weber, you are Lord, you are Lord, Weber Q. How many people are going to end up missing God's destiny because the Weber Q and, the, and their beach time became Lord? Listen, I love the beach. I like my Weber Q. I've got the baby Q. It's just big enough. Anyway, we'll do that <laughs> another time. But Sue and I, when we got saved, we spoke to our family after becoming Christians and said, listen, if you do any family events, we go to two services on Sunday. We weren't pastors. We're there serving at one and we're sitting in one and we are in church. And so if you're putting on an event, it'll have to be outside of church hours because Sue and I will be there. And I didn't even realize then that when we were saying that, what we were saying was, we worship God. God is first. Which leads me to the next part of this. What you worship, you drop everything for. What you worship changes your diary. Your diary will change. Oh, because she said, because he said. Ever walk through Crown Casino? I'm getting that right now, this, this one. Walk through. You walk through Crown Casino and you see people who now went in there thinking it was going to start fine. They started to get so into gambling and now they are there addicted to gambling the pokies. And they still, and even though they logically know that they're geared against them, they still sit there and it's got them. Their worship is a poker machine. That's just one example. What's got you? What's so important? What's so very, very important? that it's taken you from your purpose in God's house and probably your purpose out in the community. I don't know how many people can say, I'm really in God's purpose out there if they don't know what their purpose is here. Because this is the first purpose. That's secondary. First purpose when you're saved, second purpose. So what's so important? Hang on. What do you worship outside of God's house? What do you worship outside of God? What is your priority outside of God? That's taking the very purpose that God put in you for his house and then the purpose that he has for you outside of his house. You change by what you worship. And what you worship is seen through your, where you give your time and your money. If I want to know whether somebody's full on as a Christian, before you know, I place them in any leadership around me, I look at, hmm, where do they give their time? And I don't know about your finances, but what I will know is that they're excited about offering. They're excited about compassion. They're excited about helping. And it will come off and you're like, hmm. 
And then I go, I may actually have a Christian here. See, some of us don't realise we're fans of Jesus, but we're not actually disciples. Some of us here, you're, you're, a fan, you're in the fan club. You know, I, you're like, yeah, Jesus. Mm, mm, yeah. Christmas and Easter, come on. <laughs> come on. You're a fan. But you never, ever really become a disciple. Disciple means disciplined one. So we need to realize, and I think the word disciple is like 230 something times in the word. Christian's like three. Which so God's trying to say, here's the short version, get a clue. Are you a fan or a disciple? Some of you like bring the flag out at Christmas and Easter. Here's the hang on. Oh, Jesus, Christmas and Easter. <laughs> Jesus doesn't want me bringing a flag out at Christmas and Easter. He wants me walking in his will. Loving him, loving you, loving his house, loving his purpose for you, for me, and then loving what God's called us to do in the community. And all the disciples said, Look at Luke 19, everybody, verse 13. It says here, what does Jesus want us to do right now in this period on planet Earth? Here we are. This is the little in between your birth and your death. What is Jesus wanting us to do? Luke 19, 13 says, And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Listen, occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. You know, these are days of distraction on planet Earth right now. And it's amazing how distracted the enemy can get some Christians. I see some Christians right now and they're getting all caught up in end times. By the way, it's been end times since Jesus left the planet. So that's 2,000 years. Um, and they get so caught up in there, like they're even talking about who the Antichrist is, Mark of the Beast, end times. And they're like so distracted with that when Jesus said, occupy till I come. What does that mean? That means plunder hell, occupy heaven. Plunder hell, occupy heaven. Occupy till I come. Plunder hell, occupy heaven. God wants us plundering hell together at Global Heart Church, here in our community and in the Global Heart family. He wants us plundering hell and then filling heaven. Listen, God does not care if you find out who the Antichrist is. Some people are going to get up to heaven on Judgment Day, stand before the Lord on Judgment Day. Well, Lord, just to let you know, <laughs> I've been working hard, internet, day and night, on who the Antichrist is. And Lord, I just need to fill you in. I'm not joking. You're here this morning. Anyway, <laughs> you're in churches everywhere, all around the world, not occupying and then telling the Lord, I spent my life finding out who the Antichrist is. Do you think the Lord's going to say, oh, wow, I never knew. <laughs> never knew. Thanks for filling me in. Oh, thanks for getting me up to speed. I've been waiting for you to get up here so I could find out who that was. Jesus said, occupy. Occupy till I come. Get busy. And Hebrews 2 verse 3 to 4 says, How shall we escape 
if we neglect so great a salvation which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard Him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. God's saying, don't neglect so great a salvation firstly in your life. You didn't get yourself saved. God got you saved. You didn't get yourself saved. God gets yourself saved. God got you to church. He, he got your mum or dad to get saved. He got somebody around you to invite you to church. Listen, the Holy Spirit worked overtime to get you in the joint. <laughs> That's the kingdom I'm talking about. <laughs> Not the church. <laughs> to get you saved, to get you. Holy Spirit worked overtime and then someone's like, eh, yeah. Nice. And the Bible goes, don't neglect so great a salvation. This is huge. Don't neglect what I put in your life. Don't neglect sharing your faith. Don't neglect occupying heaven with your life. Don't neglect it. Neglect Netflix. <laughs> now I've gone to the holy of holies. <laughs> no, don't neglect your salvation. And listen, don't neglect giving it to other people. Told on Friday night at church how I went to the national conference. I think it was the last, was it the last time? Seven years ago, I think it was the last time, two, three years ago, whenever that was. National conference on the Gold Coast. And uh, I'm walking up to the front doors and I'm walking to the front door. There's 2,000 leaders there, pastors and leaders of Australian Christian churches, the denomination I'm part of. As I'm walking up to the door, there's this guy standing there and he goes, Jared, like this. And I go, hey. And he goes, Jared, it's me. And I go, Hi. <laughs> He goes, Jared, it's me. And I'm like, hey, man. And I go, and he's like, you know me, don't you? And I go, sorry, I don't know you. I don't remember you. Uh, where are you from? And he goes, yeah, you know me. We hung out in Sydney. I said, do I? And, you know, I hadn't lived in Sydney for, you know, that's 30 years ago, right? And so I'm like, hey, man, I'm sorry, I don't know. And he goes, you know me? Oh, my gosh. He goes, it's like, I can't believe I'm seeing you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so then I go, what's your name? And he tells me, I'm from, it's Fabio. And he's so expressive. He's a South American guy. And he's um, telling me, I'm Fabio. And he goes, yeah, you remember? And I'm like, I cannot get it. I just keep trying to work out what he's saying. I can't get it. And then suddenly as he keeps talking, he's so excited. Suddenly, like that show Cold Case, where you see, they suddenly show you people 20 and 30 years ago. That's all I can put it to. This guy who's 55, gray hair, South American, on the front door at the Christian conference, Australian Christian Church conference, suddenly I look at him and I'm like, oh my gosh, I know who you are. And I see this 55-year-old turn into a dark-haired, black-haired, 25-year-old South American guy. And I suddenly remember, oh yeah, this is the guy all the girls in youth were after. <laughs> He's a cool dude. And anyway, and now I go, oh, Fabio, I know who you are, man, I remember. I go, we're in Borkham Hills, and we went to there. And he goes, yeah, that's me. So anyway, suddenly this revelation hits. And he goes, I don't know where you went. He goes, one day, he goes, you were trying to get me to church and trying to say, come on, God wants to do something good in my life. And I need to, you know, forget the girls. I need to go for God. And anyway, at that time of his life. And I said, I remember, now it's coming back to me. He goes, he goes I don't know where you went. He said, after about a month or two later, I decided I'm going to go to church. I got saved. And I went, oh man, how cool. And he goes, and you were gone. He goes, and I said to people, where's he gone? They said, London. I went, London, what for? Anyway, so he, he got saved. Well, guess what? He goes full on for God. Meets a beautiful girl in the, in the church. They get married. He says to the guy on the front door, welcoming heaps of people, stay there, I have to get my wife. Runs off, gets his wife, gets his children, gets his grandchild. Next minute, he's brought the whole lot, Jared, here they all are. 
And he's so excited. He goes, guess what? We've gone for God. We're all in church every week. I got my own business here on the coast. He goes, I'm a leader in the church. I'm serving. He goes, I haven't seen you. He goes, thank you for telling me about Jesus because my whole life's changed. And he goes, look, I'm in the front door welcoming people. He goes, I'm a Christian. (laughs) It was just, it was so awesome. And I realized, Jared, don't neglect so great a salvation. Jared, don't neglect so great a salvation. Jared, don't neglect so great a salvation. In your own life, listen, but then in others, give it to other people. He's telling me my whole life's changed. And I remember those coffees were hard work. There was three hard work coffees. So I was like, oh my gosh, I'm being persecuted for Christ because he won't come to Jesus straight away. Listen, sometimes the kingdom is dirty work. Sometimes it's hard work. Sometimes you're going to get some scuffles. Sometimes you're going to get some bruises. Sometimes you're going to pull a muscle in your leg. If you're in the Olympics right now, many of them who are in it are running with broken bones and injuries. They're running with challenges. Yet you get Christians who go, oh, I can't because I got a bit tired. <laughs> I can't do that. It's a bit hard. So listen, we're in the, we're in the Olympics of eternity. This is the Olympics of eternity. If you get a bit bruised, a bit tired, a bit hot, a bit dusty, a bit hurt, good. Because you may just win up, end up winning the prize. Hello, the eternal prize. And going to heaven and seeing, oh my gosh, all these people who you impacted. Every person you impact impacts someone else. Who impacts somebody else? Who impacts somebody else? By the way, everybody, I said it last service, I need to hurry up and say it now. No Christian should ever be offended or at least never carry offense. The Lord told me about that years ago because I met so many Christians. Why are you not serving? Oh, I got offended. I got offended. I'm like, what? Listen, I struggle to get on with me. <laughs> why? I say to myself, why did you say that? Why did you do that? Why? Tell myself off. Then I have a fight with myself. It looks quite unwell, doesn't look very healthy. <laughs> But it's actually good because I'm confronting myself. No. Listen, everybody, we need to say, we need to say, hang on a minute. What do I need to, you know, give to God and forgive somebody? I discovered about offense. If you ever say, yeah, I got offended years ago. You're crazy. You got to ditch that straight away. As a pastor for 34 years, if I was to write my offenses down that I could write down, It would go on through the ceiling to the moon. But I decided to forgive you all. (laughs) And I've decided to forgive everybody else. Why? Because I need forgiveness too. If you want mercy, give it. If you want grace, give it. And here's what I discovered too, so you know really quickly. Every time you're offended, it's a control issue. Every time a Christian is offended, it is a control issue every time. I'm trying to control you and now you're not doing what I want you to do, so I'm offended. Or I'm trying to control your response. You should have said that nicer. You should have said that more sensitively. You should have said that with a more Christian way to me. You should have said it like this. That's control. So everybody, we need to resign. Tell the devil I've resigned from controlling everybody. I'm under new management with Jesus and I've decided to forgive everybody from here on in. Lord, I forgive them. Lord, I give them to you. Thank you, Lord, you gave me mercy and forgiveness. I give it. What you want, give. The enemy works in families for generations through a root of bitterness. The Bible says it defiles many. Don't even allow a root. Just say, nah, I'm not a control freak anymore. (laughs) 
All the control freaks, raise your hands. No, don't, I know who you are. No, God knows who you are. Listen, we need to all say, Lord, I'm resigning from that. And I resign from offence, stockpile. The stockpile is empty. I give it to you. And Lord, help me to love people. And whether they respond to me or you in the way we want or not, we forgive them. And listen, we love them anyway. We love them anyway. Come on, we love them anyway. We love them anyway. We need to cultivate wonder for God's house. We need to cultivate joy for God's house. We need to cultivate appreciation for who we get to do life with in God's house. Wow, what a wonder. Age groups, nationalities, people of incredible wisdom and insight. We need to cultivate gratitude. What does that mean? It means you need to get a little bit of a shovel and kind of dig up that solid rock heart, (laughs) that dried over, give it a bit of a... And say, Lord, this thing's got a bit dry, a bit barren. Help, Lord. Holy Spirit, come in here. I'm sorry. That's, I'm playing my part with my digging instrument. But Lord, you play the other part and stop on my heart and turn it to wonder and joy and appreciation and gratitude. Last thoughts, God. I said this last week, but I'll just say it again. It's so important. God's calling establishes confidence. God's calling in the house, out of the house, establishes confidence. So many Christians are insecure. Oh, I hope this works. Hope this is it. Pray, ask a question. Pray, ask a question. Pastoral team, leadership team. Don't be anxious. Oh, enough, I'm in it. We want to help you get into it. Don't waste another year. When you acknowledge God's calling, it will give you buoyancy in the storms of life. Storms are coming, but you're in the calling, you'll float with your mocktail. <laughs> Looking at the palm trees of the kingdom. Our calling deserves our engagement with that calling. It means you're going to engage your mind, your heart, your spirit, your body. Engage, engage. Get with other people who are engaged with their calling. We are His ambassadors, the Bible says. Are you, you're a representation of the kingdom. The Bible says you're an ambassador for Christ. Listen to me, everybody. Should people follow your ambassadorship for the kingdom? Should Christians follow your ambassadorship as a Christian in God's house? Should they, should they serve like you? You're an ambassador, the Bible says. Should people give like you? If we were to use you as an example of giving, should they give like you? Should they serve like you? Should they follow your example? Would they, listen to this. Here's a good one. Oh, the revelation's come. Would the church grow and go forward if people live their Christian walk like you? Would the church grow, go forward, be equipped to help people, to give to people? See, people get saved if they follow you. You're an ambassador. You're an ambassador. Should they? That's why we need to be so careful with our ambassadorship. What I say, what I do, how I carry myself. It's like when I go traveling, I'm in Zambia, then I'm in Germany, then I'm in Melbourne, then I'm in Perth, then I'm West Rwanda. I am carrying myself differently due to the grace needed with the place God, I, God places me. When I'm in Rwanda, I'm carrying myself differently. I'm there, it's different. Lord, what's the grace for me to be your ambassador here? If I'm with our neighbours, what's your grace, Lord, to hopefully be a good ambassador with our neighbours here? What is it, Lord? Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the Kingdom of God. Not seek, first the, not seek the Kingdom 25th. 
Some of us are in trouble over and over again because we seek God when we're in trouble. Oh Lord, I'm in trouble. Triple zero, God. God's like, you know, <laughs> I keep getting you out of a hole. You're not meant to have me just keep getting you out of a hole. You're meant to get out of the hole, which was me, the victim. And you're meant now to begin to go forward to, hello, finding a purpose in God's house, finding a purpose out. God stopped treating me like a victim not long after I was saved. I wanted sympathy. I wanted people to be nicer to me because of my broken childhood. And God said to me one day, Jared, I am not gonna treat you like a victim. You're my son and I'm gonna treat you like the victor that you're called to be. Good on you, God. Romans 12, finishing with this. Actually stand up and I'm just gonna declare it over you. Romans 12, let me declare this over you everybody as we get ready to finish. Romans 12, this is God's Word in the message. So here's what I want you to do. This is God over you today. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. I'm adding a little verse in there. Think! <laughs> Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognise what He wants from you, quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. How nice is it when you start to grow up? Where's all the immature people and then you start to grow up and you're like, oh my gosh, I think I'm growing up. I was 32, but it was nice. <laughs> finally growing up, finally leaving puberty. Better late than never, but I had to give God my life. In another translation of that Scripture, it says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. The Bible says, present your, your body, your body, your body. Lord, here's my body, here's my life. Present it as a living sacrifice on the altar. What's the problem with that? Living sacrifices keep crawling off the altar. You say, Lord, help me to stop crawling and help me to establish into your purpose. Everybody, you're called by God. You've got great, number one, you have incredible value to God, but you also have incredible value in what you are to bring to His house and then to our community and world. Can somebody say a big Amen. Let me just pray for you. Just open your hands. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.